In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Our first reading uses a number of common Greek expressions that the original audience of the Acts of the Apostles would have known. It describes the community of believers as of one heart and mind, which was kind of a way 2,000 years ago of describing your bestie. Oh yeah, we're of one heart and mind. Come to think of it, I guess it still works today. Or take also, for example, how in our passage from Acts of the Apostles at Mass, the first Christians are described as having everything in common. This, too, was a common way of expressing friendship. Aristotle, in one of his works called the Nicomachean Ethics, said the following, Among friends, everything is common. And finally, that there was never a needy person among them harkens back to two verses from the book of Deuteronomy, where we hear, Since the Lord your God will bless you abundantly in the land the Lord your God will give you to possess as a heritage, there shall be no one of you in need. The second reading at Mass this Sunday is taken from the first letter of St. John. Here's some context on the letter. The community of Christians to which it was first written was dealing with some false teaching spreading through the group. Although we don't know with certainty what this group was teaching, it's likely that they denied that the Christ, the Son of God, would have died on the cross. They might have believed that at a point Jesus became the Son of God, maybe at his baptism, but then also stopped being the Son of God at some point before the crucifixion. Because, after all, how could the Son of God die by crucifixion? Why would God suffer so brutally? And so what is the author of this first letter of St. John going to set out to do? Well, show how Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, truly is the Son of God. And this is why he talks toward the end of our second reading at Mass about the witnesses. Just as in a courtroom, he's calling forth witnesses to show that Jesus Christ did die on the cross through water and blood and the Spirit. Not by water alone, but by water and blood. The Spirit is the one that testifies, and the Spirit is truth. Also contained in this reading is a neat metaphor that the author uses. He uses the image of being begotten, or in simpler terms, being born. But, of course, we can't conflate being begotten with being born because Jesus was not born of God. That would have made him something less than his father, a sort of demigod. And our creed reflects this at Mass. We refer to Jesus as the only begotten Son of God and not the only Son born of God. Anyway, what's the metaphor that the letter of St. John is using? Here's the principle. If we love one's parents, we will love their offspring as well. Think of it like this. If the apple never falls far from the tree, then if we love the tree, we're going to love the apple as well. And that's the author's point. Everyone who loves the Father loves also the one begotten by him. If we love the Father, then we must also love the Son begotten by that Father. The apple that fell from the tree, in a way of speaking. We've got a number of different points to tackle in our Gospel reading, which is more commonly known as the episode of Doubting Thomas. First, when resurrected Jesus appears in the midst of the group, he says to them, Peace be with you. But the verb here is implied. It's not actually written out in Greek. It's sort of like if you saw one of your friends and simply said, Peace. Same idea here. Peace be with you. When Jesus returns from having been deserted, mocked, and crucified, he returns not with vengeance, but with peace. After Jesus speaks peace to them, he breathes on them. And this has two parallels to the Old Testament. The first might already be in your mind. 
It's when God breathes life into the clay in Genesis chapter 2. But the second instance can be found in the words of the prophet Ezekiel during the vision of the dry bones. Thus says the Lord God, From the four winds come, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may come to life. In both instances, God is raising to a greater dignity that which he has created, and he's doing the same in this gospel. Lastly, as further background to our gospel, we have something really interesting involving a Roman emperor. Domitian ruled as emperor of Rome from about 81 to 96 AD. And during his rule, he liked others to refer to him as Dominus et Deus, or translated from Latin, Lord and God. In fact, he even had this inscribed in his palace, Dominus et Deus. Okay, now check this out. It's believed that the author of John's Gospel put together and wrote down the stories contained within it around 90 to 100 AD, which puts that right smack dab in the middle of Domitian's heyday. And when the story of St. Thomas's confession of faith in Jesus is recorded, what are the words in his mouth when he beholds Jesus resurrected? Dominus et Deus, Lord and God. These words of Thomas very well could be a subtle dig at Domitian, who claimed to be the Lord and the God. The author is saying, look, we Christians know who really is Lord and God here. It's Jesus. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this second Sunday of Easter. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.